Welcome to the Late Night Latte here on Latte Firm. Thank you one and all for joining and for tuning in. What a weekend, eh? It's Sunday night, Arsenal victorious just 24 hours ago against Newcastle United. We were just approaching the end of the game at this time yesterday. What a beautiful game it was. There is a lot to talk about tonight. The performance, what it felt like to thrash Newcastle. Individual performances from Kai Havertz, who got sweet, sweet revenge on the Geordies. Jorginho, Kivior's performance, David Raya, number one. So much to talk about there. And of course, the title race, because Liverpool won their game in midweek. Manchester City won their game just before us and only just. And of course, we won ours and the three-way title race is hotting up. Welcome to the firm. Uh, do get involved in the chat. Keep the chat coming. We're going to go straight there just to start with. And of course, do drop a like on the video. It's a massive help to the channel. If we can get to 500 likes tonight, that would be insane. And if you're new around here, do subscribe as well. Let's go straight to the chat. Tamina Ahmed, making herself a regular in the chat. First up these days. Hi, Latte Firm. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good, Tamina. All the better when I see you guys in the chat and when Arsenal are victorious. Afsar Gunner in the chat saying, Evening Gunners. Afsar, thank you so much for all the comments and all the other videos as well. Um, Paz of the Cat, Evening FK and the Gang. In case I'm asleep at kickoff, my favourite new record or stroke stat Arsenal, the first team to score two goals in seven consecutive halves of Premier League football. And Snack Jackie says, two blood oranges versus man flu. Oh dear, I wish you well, Paz of the Cat. Recover. Have a tremendous few days ahead. Hopefully you're back to fitness by the time the boys are back in action. Kenny AFC, people are queuing up for the Snack Check. I wonder, and listen, this guy really kicked it off. Chan. First of all, good to see you. Second of all, absolutely tremendous photographs from the game last night. His snack check tonight, a Mackey's McSpicy and Frank's Red Hot Meal. Yeah, the picture looks sensational. It's on the uh, on the uh, Latte Firm X feed. Nico Aldape says, obviously we're quite good at football. We are. Copying Ben White there. V Vlad saying good evening all. What more is there to say about this team? I think I'm in love with this team. Then my wife. Hopefully she's not reading this. Come on, you gunners, indeed. James Tansy in the house. Evening, gents. Had the pleasure of being there last night. And the atmosphere was electric. It really was. What a great gesture from the club to give out some flags, some of which went sort of missing, sadly, uh, and some scarves. Really nice gesture. Great atmosphere. Loved it. I was in the thick of it in the North Bank. In fact, there's a photo on the Premier League feed of Bukayo Saka looking at the North Bank celebrating. And you can see little old me in the corner. I love it. I love it. I love it. Keep the chat coming, uh, guys. Trevor DeVega is in the house as well. David is in the house. Evening, chaps. Bruno is in the mud. Bruno, my G, come outside. I just want to talk, yo. Uh, right, let's bring in the panellists. First up. What a tremendous bouffant of hair. Wayne, how are you, man? <laughs> hey, man, I had to do it if you couldn't, FK. But I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, man. I, one of the lucky ones. We were two of the lucky ones last night to be inside that stadium. It was absolutely rocking. And do you know what it is? I was saying to my friend after the game that for some strange reason, like we hate Spurs, obviously. We hate Man United, obviously. But over the last couple of years, I just hate Newcastle. And I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. I think it's their fault, like, just because they're the anti-football and we are the pure football. And, yeah, I used to like Newcastle. I used to be one of those that was like, if Newcastle were in, like, a Carabao Cup final or got to an FA Cup final, I wouldn't mind if they won it. But now I can't stand them. And last night just felt so, so sweet. There is a heat to this fixture, and we will talk about that before we start our slides as normal. So stick with us, and Wayne, welcome to the show. Really appreciate it. I know I'm follically challenged. In fact, my barber calls me Baldy Locks. 
there you go. According to <laughs> that was a term that Wally called me as well. Uh, Trevor De Vega in the chat saying snack check. I'm still enjoying the sweet revenge. Uh, David saying shout out to the billion pound blue bottle jobs. We will talk about that, of course, at the end. Omar Dino, Wayne, what do you make of this? There's a petition to stop me going to Old Trafford. Listen, I made that petition about four years ago. So if anyone wants to sign it, let me know. I am taking it. It's completely free of charge. And I'm happy for you to make up fake names to stop FK from getting going to Manchester. No, no, no. Henke Ho. Oh me, oh my. The one and only sunshine of my life. The lip-licking, snack-checking, handsome devil FK. Oh man, what a guy. What a guy you are. Josh, evening Gooners. Uh, he says, snack check, homemade sprinkle cake. Sprinkle cake? Is that just fairy cake with like sprinkles on it? I'm assuming it is. With an icing some, on top. Yeah, you know it, Wayne. I had some amazing ginger cake today. I popped Ooh. down to Waitrose, your gaff, and um picked up a beautiful ginger cake and i just i've just down that with a cup of tea and i've got a hell of a snack check really have you'll you'll like my snack check fk i think okay all right we'll see salim guna says big up fk uh the best thing about the game is the fogging duels yes it was a great game keep the chat coming let's bring in our other panelist tonight he doesn't need any introduction shimbele how are you man Almost uh, as if he's never done this before. He's on mute. I know. Do you know what? Years, I literally Jim. muted it because I had to... Wake up. <laughs> no, I'm good, guys. How are you doing? We're not too bad, my friend. How was your night last night going to the theater? It wasn't going to the <laughs> I was eating Nando's with my daughter because I had to look after her. My, my wife went to the theater. She hang on, it. hang on, hang on. So you had to babysit a seven-year-old while Arsenal I can't exactly leave Arsenal. her at home, mate. I don't know what you do with what, child, Where is your commitment to this club, Yembele? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yanking your chain. Uh, KSSMYW says, Howdy FK. We gave them magpies a pounding that they had coming. Really happy with this win. Treacherous Tiger, my man. Yo, FK. Glad to catch you live. It's so good to have you live in the chat as well. And thank you for all your support over the past few months. I know I owe you a latte for a mug. I'm still, believe it or not, trying to find the supplier who can source me, the one that they got me first time around. I will get it to you. I have your address saved. Oz says, Good evening. I love the cap, man. Maybe I need to get one of these sort of granddad caps. Is that what they're called? That is an elite cap. I don't think I'd pull it off, but we'll give it a go. Yeah, and welcome to the show. Uh, Wayne, welcome to the show. Welcome to everybody watching. Hundreds of you watching across all platforms already. So please do like the video. It's a massive help to the channel. And if you're watching on X, get involved with Latte Firm. Uh, we didn't do a post-match phone-in because the kickoff time was crazy last night. Delays on the tube didn't allow me to get home. And of course, everybody was fixated on, well, I guess the early kickoff delay and then the cup final. So forgive me for that, but we will tuck into the content tonight. Before we get into the slides, let's just rip the plaster off and get the snack check out of the way. Yembele, as you've just joined us, what you got as I bring up some of the comments, AFC oh, Max says, so. hey, FK, let's go. Snack check is a bar of dairy chocolate. Go on, Yem, what you got? So I'll, I'm going to preface this a little bit because I dined with actually FK's dad this evening. So, you know. Aang? Does, does FK know that? You <laughs> does, are, I told him. I told him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you said you saw him. Okay, fine. fine. No, yeah, he was at my mum's house man. for dinner. So oh, yeah, me and him were having a nice chat. You know, it was nice. It was nice to catch up with him. I haven't caught up with him for a, for a while. It's always nice to catch up with your dad. Nice. He didn't actually say anything about the computers this time, which he usually does. Every time I'm around, he usually says. This is true. This is true. What you got for us? What are you rustling away there in got, the background? So a couple of weeks ago, I bought the Aero uh, Honeycomb. This week, mm -hmm. I've got the Choco Hazelnut. So I bought these two. They're on like an offer. Hang on. So is this Aero Mint? No, it's it's Choco Why Hazelnut. Why is it green? Okay, no, so it's just it's Aero. Not, it, it's turquoise. It's turquoise. Huh. Oh, goodness. 
Aero hazelnut. You do like your random chocolates, man. I, I mean, I'm going to go with Max. Just a bar of dairy chocolate. You cannot beat it. Jim oh. Eve says, snack check, dark chocolate Maltesers. I still can't. Oh, hang on. Can find them in the Waitrose in the Angel Islington London N1. Thank you for that, Jim. That is an, uh, it wins it again. Stupendous choice. Um, Henkeho is saying it's Wayne's sexy world and we're living in it. Wayne, over to you, my friend. What's your snack check tonight? So I was lucky enough to, a good friend of ours, um, Adib is over from Dubai. He's over here for work. And um, FK is a good friend of ours from from our group chat. It was his first game at the Emirates last night. And I, I met up with him today to catch up and we had dinner together. And I brought home a dessert from from the dinner which was a nice little sponge with a layer of jam on it, if you can see that there, and oh, some yeah. coconut yeah, sprinkles. Yeah. Oh. And I'm going to top that off with some nice, warm custard. Ooh. So custard <laughs> on top of the cake. That's not. There's that's, nothing wrong with that. That's that's a, you go, go for it. Uh, bit that's higher, a up, higher up. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne. Go, oh, there go, you go. get camera shot. There oh, you go. There you go. Look at the jam. Look at the custard. That's sexy. Look at that. That needs some great white music. It's not a snack check. It's a full-blown dessert check. Almost wow. an M&S check, if you will. Wow, that's good. I mean, the coconut lost me, but you won me back with the custard, man. <laughs> uh, Mizba oh, says, evening all. Snack check tonight. Oh, yeah, you enjoying them? Okay. Mm. Uh, fresh walnuts and pistachio biscuits. I like that. Ben's uh, just joining on, jumping on the bandwagon. Ban FK from Manchester. What, in totality? Just forever. Ban him from Manchester. Colleen also. Ooh, no FK to Old Trafford. I personally will fly back and block him in his driveway. Can you imagine the scenes? Some crazy Colombian woman just, you know, blocking me in my driveway. Uh, DFC says, Trey Bake. Henko is happy, Yem, you're here. Yemba, Yemba. And Colleen says, Waitrose, we have club-level Wayne and a Waitrose goer. Teach us, she says. And she blows your little kiss. Uh, 433 says, carrot cake and a cup of Assam. Ah, oh, Assam tea. 433, man, you are, you know, you are a tea connoisseur, my friend. The extra malty flavor on an Assam tea. Oh, it's absolutely sensational. Love it. Uh, my snack check tonight is, well, I've gone for classic because you know what? When we, when we bust out the wins, I feel like something savory tonight in Yembele. To start with, my Paprika Max, you cannot knock them. They are the elite choice yeah, of, uh, standard. of of baked crisps. But I've, I've got a cool something to wash it down with, right? Yeah, and I don't know if you've seen these, but this was at Slam last night. Have you seen oh, this? Yeah, yeah, those are nice. These are nuts, actually. Don't you remember? Tango Paradise Punch. Yeah, it's right? quite nice. The ingredients are all sorts of badness for you, but it is a carbonated, sugar-free orange and mango soft drink with a tropical fruit flavor. And let me tell you, boys, it is absolutely sensational. If none of you have tried this watching, Tango Paradise Punch elite and tango if you're watching you know that you know the drill brit Vic or whoever you're whoever you're owned by get in touch with the latte firm if you want exclusive sponsorship of this channel right let's get into the chat i will keep the snack sorry let's get into the content i'll keep the snack chat uh, posts coming up on screen um i want to set the scene and, and and by doing that wayne as we started uh talking earlier at the start of the show i wanted to kind of just um not set the scene actually can i just go to the next slide Yes, this is it. Revenge is so, so sweet. Let's set the scene. Look, this fixture has become a little bit spicy in the last sort of, what, 12 to 18 months. Everybody remembers the nil-nil that we had at the Emirates last year when Newcastle came and they wasted so much time. The rotational fouling, rotational uh, injuries going down, looking for treatment. They slowed down every free kick corner throw and the ball was in play for like a record low time. And we drew that game nil-nil. We then went to St. James's Park at the start of this year, this season, 
and got beaten. You know, there were all those VAR decisions. You can see there in the image, Jorginho being elbowed in the head by Bruno. Big Deckers coming in to sort things out. Kai Havertz was was surrounded by the Newcastle players and fans giving him abuse for that mistimed challenge. There was a lot of heat and we ended up losing the game. Coming into yesterday's game, Wayne, I was Buzzing is is an understatement. I was fired up. I was so gassed about this about the game. The club, Mikel had spoken about the atmosphere. The club did that gesture with the flags and the scarves. Everybody knew that this was slightly more than just three points. What was your sort of thoughts going into it? And did this kind kind of you know come into your mind going into the Emirates last night? Yeah, absolutely. And if it didn't come into my mind naturally, like you said, the club made an effort to pull it in your mind. They'd done everything they could to make it, not just the atmosphere in the stadium, but an atmosphere around the ground, an atmosphere at home. It didn't matter where you were watching. You, you heard everything about Mikel Arteta 24 hours before in the press conference talking about how important it is. They'd done a whole promo video with a, a UK rapper, Getz, who's one of my personal favourites. He's an Arsenal fan and it, it hyped everyone up. Whenever Arsenal go out of their way and do like a promo video like that, you know it's something big that's about to go down. You don't always get the gestures in terms of like the flags that were behind the goal and there was down the other end where they like foil flags as well. And I think those were pulled off spectacularly. Sometimes the club get it wrong. And I don't know whether they don't give enough flags or they don't wait until everyone's sort of in the stadium to get them going. And sometimes it loses a bit of an effect, but everything about it was perfect. The flamethrowers yesterday, it, everything about it was just big match feel. And I think, the thing that the thing that kind of added a bit of edge to it was not only the Newcastle element, but the fact that we lost to Porto as well. And the way that we lost to Porto was very reminiscent to how we drew with Newcastle last year. Very frustrating, very, we're going to waste time. We're going to not keep the ball in play. We're not going to let you play football. And we, we took that personally, FK. We took that personally. And I'm so glad that we did because everything from minute one, was just intent on shutting them down, suffocating them and just getting on the front foot. And it was just fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant. And I'm hoping, look, I'm not saying do it for every game, but I'm hoping we see something similar again for the Porto game because we'll need another atmosphere very similar to last night. And it was just a pleasure to be up. You've nailed it, Wayne. It was big game vibes. But yeah, on paper, and when you sort of look at it and reflect on it, it's just Newcastle. Since when did this become a big game? Do you think do you think what the club was doing pre-kickoff with the light show and the flames and and of course, you know, the flags and all that yeah, was was justified? And do you think it it was it a tactic that maybe Arteta asked the club to employ? Maybe. I mean, I think it's a good idea to because creating this big atmosphere gets the crowd more rolled up. As you said, as and as Wayne said, there was already a simmering rivalry and that obviously added the spice, but the club going out their way to enhance it only helps because you don't want to go to a game and feel it's just, it, it, it's a, you know, they're not making a big deal out of a big game. It is still a big game. And I think the reason why it's a big game is ever since Newcastle got their, you know, their cash injection, the new owners, et cetera, and, and the way they play, it's always there has always been this kind of you know, especially last year when they were close to us in terms of they were going for the Champions League places, etc. I think that's what started it more so with them than with us. But then the games that we've played, there's always been this underlying tone of being over physical, being overly aggressive. Some decisions didn't go for us, etc. And I think that just added to it. I think that happened. You know, we had a, we had a rivalry at, 
long ago with Stoke because of innocuous fouls and then obviously the Aaron Ramsey one. These things develop out of seemingly nothing, but they, they add up. And I think this is the similar case with Newcastle. I think Newcastle look at this now as one of their bigger fixtures, you know, um, and, and they, you know, they go up against. I think also the history of, as you said, the game in the, uh, you know, in the earlier part of the season added to it. Losing by that goal, which was contentious, I don't think really, I think added to, you know, what we wanted to do. I think it was right. Whoever, you know, asked for the atmosphere and the flags, flamethrowers, et cetera, I think it was, a, it, was a, it was a really good move because it adds to the atmosphere. And that's what you want. You guys know it more than I do for yesterday because you were there. But, you know, on the TV, it looks spectacular. And that's what you want. You want us to show that we are a big club, that we take these things seriously, that we are, you know, treating it as, uh, you know, these all the games now must win. You know, it doesn't matter how you look at them. They're all big games. We're, you know, we're into the, you know, the latter half of the season and I'm more for it. I'm, I'm all for it. I, like Wayne said, I hope the Porter game is going to be exactly the same. In fact, ratchet, ratchet up. I want them to feel the pressure. I want it to be a cauldron. I want the Arsenal fans absolutely going mental because... It helps the players. Clearly it does. So I'm all for it. More more of this, please, Arsenal. It does indeed. Infamous underscore FPL says last night was absolutely incredible. The team's energy was electrifying. It really was. Uh, Matt G early saying, I'm only here for the snack check. <laughs> Do stick around for the football chat. Uh, Daniel Hessner says, I want to see the field tilt from the first 45. Well, you're going to get that, Daniel. You know it's coming. Um, Lewis Stevens, good evening, lads. Some results, some team. FK, any plans on the Maestro was making a comeback appearance on the firm? Yes, he is taking a break from socials at the moment and he will be back. Uh, it's an open invite to him. You guys all know that. Um, Let's just go back then to some of the chat. I mean, look, I, I was inspired, obviously, as you know, uh, by the flags. I've got the old the old crest top out, one of my favourite tops, courtesy of Arsenal.com. Uh, but let's go back through the slides and let's go to the team news that we saw um, on uh, announced on Arsenal.com before the game. So look, guys, it was almost unchanged for a fourth game in a row. David Raya obviously keeping, in, keeping his place between the sticks. We'll talk about Raya shortly. Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel, Kivior, um, they look such a settled back four. I really like what I see, obviously, from Ben White post-break. Saliba and Gabriel, we know exactly what they're about. And maybe it's time now to be talking about Gabriel as one of the best defenders in the world rather than Saliba's mate. We'll talk about that. Jakob Kivior, three, four games in a row now on that sort of left-back position. Very orthodox, very, very sort of safe, reliable, and got amongst the goals, deserves all the flowers he's getting. Declan Rice in midfield with Jorginho coming in in place of Trossard. Erdegaard, obviously club captain, and interesting. You guys talk about the, um, you know, the, the heat in this fixture. Martin Erdegaard made a point to mention it in the post-match interview that he gave with Match of the Day, saying, you know, we remember what happened at St James's Park, and it felt like he was personally offended by that performance and by that defeat. So, a captain's performance from the skipper last night. Bukayo Saka, Martinelli, and Kai Havertz moved up top. The bench looking good: Ramsdale, Cedric, Elneny, Vieira, Nelson, Smithrow, Trossard, Inquietia, and Gabby Jesus. Still, of course, one or two players missing. Fabio Vieira, Thomas Partey, uh, to name a couple. Uh, and Timber, of course, Sinchenko. Some serious talent there from Arsenal. Uh, Wayne, when the lineup was announced and Jorginho came in, was that the right thing to do from Mikel? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of Jorginho's best performances, if not his very best performance, was at St. James's Park last year. And you saw just how important he was when we beat them 2-0 at St. James's Park. And I think given how important he was at the start of this year when we saw him against Liverpool in a, in a big game, you kind of need a, a cool, calm head in situations like this. And I know it went in our favour and we were absolutely dominant for the first 30 minutes.
But if it became an end-to-end affair or if Newcastle were able to to ramp up the pressure on us a little bit and attack attack very well, Jorginho is the type of guy that you need there, not only defensively, but just to take the sting out of the game, pass it around a little bit. And I think the big surprise for me wasn't really our starting eleven. It was Newcastle's starting eleven because apart from Tonali and maybe one more, um, that was as close to their first team as we've seen in weeks. And I know Isak has only just come back. He's probably not had very many sort of training appearances and, and got, got, got his legs under him just yet. And some other players are just coming back. But I was very surprised at how strong the Newcastle team was. And I was even more happy that Jorginho was there to navigate that. So I think all in all, it was the right choice. I don't think playing Havertz and Trossard in this game really made sense and I'm I'd be shocked now if in big games Jorginho isn't there starting every single one I really like what Jorginho brings to the team in terms of just like a stability and a maturity and a bit of wisdom in that midfield you know at times when he I mean we know he's a recycling machine we know that he's not the most dynamic or the most athletic or the most physically imposing player but he's so good on the ball and you know, he he helps Declan Rice pull the strings and he just brings that stability, like I say. And when Sinchenko maybe will come back in at left back, we should be ashamed because Kivio's playing so well. But, you know, you understand what Sinchenko does. I think Jorginho, again, gives us that level of safety. Now, listen, if Thomas Partey was fit and flying, we wouldn't be even talking about Jorginho. But the fact that he finds himself in the team and the fact that he finds himself playing this role and he was given the captain's armband as well last night before um, Gabriel was handed it before the end of the game, that shows what everybody sort of thinks of him. The game obviously ended 4-1. The Gunners thrashed Newcastle, which is such a great heading to see. So let's talk through some of the stats. Uh, Yembele, as I go through the uh, revenge uh, page again, sorry, that was my bad for uh, not doing the order of the slides uh, properly. The he- headline match stats, courtesy of Opta Analyst, as we normally go. So Arsenal 4, Newcastle 1, 2.4 XG for Arsenal, 0.16 for Newcastle. They had an XG of 0 at half time. I mean, if that's not a sign of complete control, domination and suffocation, I don't know what is. 18 shots for Arsenal, eight on target, three for Newcastle, two on target. And annoyingly, Mr. Willock came back to the Emirates and netted. And we'll talk about the goal that we can see in possession. 72% to 28% in the first half, 55% to 45% in the second half. And I think Arsenal looked a little bit leggy towards the end of that second half, hence so many substitutions. And, and of course, like Wayne says, we went to Porto and won. Yeah, the opening goal, it was really important that we started this game well because we saw what happened in Porto and I think Newcastle would have been buoyed on by that. They would have wanted to have come and repeat what they did at the Emirates last year. They were probably looking, I mean, already like Carius was, you know, taking 30, 40 seconds for a goal kick from minute three. Like it was, it was really, really frustrating. And so it was really important that we got the goal early and we scored first. And we did. Came from a set piece, surprise, surprise. In the end, credited to Sven Botman. But Gabriel rose like a salmon. Talk me what that was like when you were watching on TV. It was coming because I think from minute one, actually, the one the, the first minute when um, both Erdegaard and Havert started closing down the goalkeeper and the centre-backs, you just knew this was going to be a different game for Porto because it was completely different. The pressing from the front was immense. So the goal was coming. I think we were just absolutely suffocating them. The way the goal came was, I mean, it's a set piece. We are... We are now 19 goals, 19 set-piece goals, the, by far and away leading the Premier League. I think teams fear us now. And it's interesting to see how much more structured we were than against Porto. I felt against Porto we were a bit 
It was all over the shop. And that's partly due to Porto's histrionics and theatrics. But this one was much more structured and we were definitely much more, you know, organized for this set piece. And, you know, it was a comedy of errors. I, I will say that, but I think we would have scored regardless uh, at that point. You know, it came off uh, Liveramento and then bounced up into Carrius's arms and then it was knocked away by Botman. So I think it was deserved. Yeah, a bit of fortune and a bit of horrendous defending. They were they looked desperate as soon as it. I think they really did feel they were going to start well and they were going to go, you know, really put the pressure on us. But it really didn't come to that. We were just all over them from minute one. And I think the first goal was just endemic of that. I think they were just panicking. They look very very on edge. I don't know what it is about Newcastle at the moment, but they don't look as assured as they did. You know, you know even at start of the season. I think they're looking really ragged, really jaded, I would say, as well. Mentally jaded, etc. I don't know what it is. But the first goal, um, although it was a, it was an own goal, it was it was definitely deserved. We we were absolutely dominant in that first half an hour. Yeah, we were on top, but and by some way, and to your point, New, uh, Yem, about Newcastle sort of uh, struggles, we had Kendall Rowan, of course, on in the pre-match preview show on Thursday night, and she was talking about being injury-stricken. She also talked about the demands of the Champions League being burdened on the club for the first time in so many years, and we've been through that. We know what it's like. You know, the players have run out of legs. Eddie's got a small team, and for all the money that they have with their new Saudi owners, they're not really able to spend it. Uh, by the way, got to pause for a second because Wally is in the house. Look at him. Evening elites. Just ordered some lovely chicken cottage, a two-piece chicken, two-wings meal. Only two wings. Only two wings. On Deliveroo, many thanks to the selection of bank cards you left with me. Wally, man, my wallet is not there for your pleasure, yeah? Just just choke on that chicken bone, right. yeah? That's, At that's least all he's I spending hope. it on food. He could spend it on a lot worse, and you'd be yeah, really in trouble. True. This is true. Uh, Leo says, snack check. A bottle of Newcastle brown ale with Bruno G's tears. There's a first one of the night. I'll appreciate that. Omar Dino says that star bar is not an elite chocolate bar. It tastes like a protein bar. Did not go down with the, well with the wife. Omar, come on, man. The star bar is absolutely tremendous. It's like it's like a connoisseur's boost, but with like nuts. It's unreal. Really, really unreal. Uh, by the way, Wayne, you're getting a lot of love for your custard dessert. There were one or two that were like, nice. Nah, it reminds you of a school meal, but you have absolutely won. Treacherous Tiger saying Tango's punch is amazing. It, uh, honestly, ladies and gents, boys and girls, the Paradise Punch, sugar-free, might I add, is absolutely sensational. It's full of sweeteners, and it's unreal. Um, Wayne, we had to go and build on that 1-0 lead, and I'm so glad that Kai got this goal. Because when you looked at the photos and the footage of the game at St. James's Park, Kai was, I don't want to say bullied, but he was really sort of picked on. You know, that that, that there was a mistime challenge and they all sort of surrounded him, the fans goading him and, you know, booed every touch. And I felt like he was playing like a man possessed last night. He's obviously quite, you know, he's six foot four, he's quite gangly. He's not the most, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really associate him with this like physically sort of imposing centre forward, but he gives centre backs such a hard time. And for him to get on the goal sheet, and I love that celebration, arm in the air, flipping, come on. Um, obviously, there was a lot of work before he'd scored the goal. Jorginho with a delicious pass over to Martinelli. He cuts back, as we see in the you know the pre-match warm-up, sort of that cutback FC. And Havertz was there to just slide it, to, to sort of tap it into the net. I mean, what a goal. What a moment to go 2 up as well. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I think, if you think back to that St. James's Park game for um, Havertz, that was a real turning point I think amongst the Arsenal fans at the time in the season simply because 
that could have gone one of one of two ways. He could have been sent off for that challenge. And I think a few Arsenal fans could admit that he was probably lucky to stay on the pitch and only get a yellow card. If a referee did send him off, you probably think, do you know what? It's, it's one of those where you can't really say no. And if he was sent off at that time, he was already very disliked by the masses in the Arsenal fan base. If you go to St. James's Park, get sent off in the first 20 minutes or whatever it was, that's basically your Arsenal career done at that point. But he didn't and he got stuck in and that was always the main criticism for Havertz, I think, when he first joined. He looks a bit sort of lethargic. He doesn't really look like he's trying. He's not really giving full effort. And a lot of Arsenal fans didn't like that. But at St James's Park, it completely changed. And ever since the turn of the year, he's just playing like a man possessed. He gave Liverpool the absolute runaround. And to see him do that again against Newcastle's defence was fantastic. And look, he's never going to be the most clinical. He's never. He's probably never going to score you 20 goals a season. But what he does do is a blueprint, I guess, for what we do need in a striker. And he does it a lot better than anyone that we've got at the club. And he he creates some chaos for us up front. When you go long, when he drops off and plays more of a, a false nine for us, he, he just is all over the place. And when he's playing confident, he's a real, real talented player. And that's six, I think, Premier League goals for the season now. And... When you think about those numbers for a guy who's not a known goal scorer, hasn't really been playing in a comfortable position all season long, I think he's really come into his own now. And the way that we're playing really, I guess, caters for his ability as well. So I was happy that he got the goal. Full credit to Jorginho, like you said, for the pass, but Martinelli as well. I think it was a big difference in his performance against Newcastle. Maybe it's because we had two sort of natural midfielders as opposed to having Kai Havertz there. But the link-up between Havertz as a striker and Martinelli on the left wing and Havertz as a left eight and Martinelli on the left wing is night and day. So I think, by all accounts, Havertz's experiment in midfield is probably over. It probably should be over. But having him around as an attacking option is is absolutely what we need right now. i got to say, I really like Kai Havertz up top and I, I kind of want to see more of it. But now that Gabby Jesus is on the bench, as so many of you guys have mentioned, it gives Mikel options. And I really like, actually, over the last three, four games, we've seen that sort of interchange, the fluidity between Trossard and Havertz. It, it keeps the opposition on their toes. Um, but yeah, Kai is someone that I'm so desperate to love. You know, I, I, I've been saying that on this channel for for a few months now. Like, I really want to like him, really want to love him. I think I like him, obviously. Um, but I really want to love him. Like, I just don't know what his best position is. But if he keeps netting and he keeps putting in performances and keeps helping the team the way that he is, um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Dobbo's in the chat. Uh, he says, evening, gents. Hope you're well. Another super late night latte for the drive home from work. Lovely result yesterday and another top, top, top performance. Who put the ball in the jury net? Who put the ball in the jury net? Oh, flipping love that chart. That was amazing. Uh, Trevor De Vega says, every single player contributed yesterday. They did. Uh, wonderful uh, Horseshoe says, up the Geordies. Well done to the Arsenal. Thank you so much, man. I, I, I suspect you are a, a watching Newcastle fan. It was a good game. And of course, uh, we like to keep things as clean as we can on this channel, so I'm not going to go ripping into Newcastle unnecessarily. Uh, Morgie, 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 47 says, Snack Check is a mint Kit Kat. I don't think I've ever tried any of those before. Mint Kit Kat, have we? I'm not sure. Tony Rosandez, evening, slowly come back into the YouTube world for the run-in. Vamos, he says. And Hafsa Gs says, really good performance from the boys today. Jorginho, man of the match. Gabriel, superb. Give your slowly building in confidence. And that is who we're going to talk about. So as I move on to the next slide, let's bring up the field tilt as we normally do. Look at that. Look at that. 
that first half, ladies and gents, boys and girls, I mean, wow, not even an ounce. Not even an ounce for Newcastle. They couldn't lay a finger, let alone a glove, Yembele. I mean, 0.00 XG at half time, total domination for us. It's almost a shame that we couldn't get a third or a fourth in that first half. But come out in the second half, and Newcastle did have their moments, a couple of substitutions, swung things their way. But we did get the third goal, and it was from the main man, Sachs. Tell me about Bukayo Saka's finish because we've talked about left foot is obviously we know what he does. Right foot is incredible. He is devastating in the final third and he produced the goods again. Yeah, I mean, look, again, we keep debating over Saka's world class, you know, the whole world class debate, etc. But what he is doing is, and I said it in a couple of late night lattes, he delivers. He always delivers something in a game. And again, today he was... He was on form. Livramento is is no slouch in terms of pace, and he was absolutely dominated by the quick move. Do you know what I really liked about Saka? It wasn't just the goal; it was the you know round the corner passes, the nice interchange, the link up. Because obviously, I was watching on TV. You get to see more of that. Just the little intricate movements with Odegaard, with Jorginho, Declan Rice, etc. It makes space happen, and Saka's strength, natural strength against the defender is unreal. You know, for such a small, you know, he's a youngster still, but he's amazingly strong when he's backing into a defender. And I love that he he's so aware of where his positioning is. But the goal was absolutely superb. You know, brought it down on his right foot, dragged it, dragged the defender along and switched it quickly back to his left because he knew that, you know, I'm going to have it with my, right, with my left foot, curled it in beautifully. And obviously it went through a few defenders. You know, I don't think any of them got a touch. I think it was a small nick or something like that. But, Again, he delivers in every game. He's even when he's not playing well, he delivers in every game. He is, you know, you can't put words on how valuable Bukayo Saka is, and he's humble as well. On the, you know, post match, wasn't bragging, wasn't saying I'm the best. Just said I'm working for the team. I want to work for the team. I want to keep going. And you know, Arsene, I don't know if everyone everyone's seen the video. You know, Arsene Wenger talking about Bukayo Saka. And him watching that is just a wholesome moment. He just delivers wholesome content, that boy. You know, I don't know what it is, but he just you just love him with all your heart. You don't want to, you know, you, the way he, you know, everyone talks about him, the legend Arsene just talking about Saka saying he's unbelievable, etc. And he is. I mean, again, his numbers this season. And do you remember at the start of the season, everyone was saying he's not really delivering that. He, he's not been on form. But yet look at his stats. And since the turn of the year, he's been back to form. I, I don't know what it was in Dubai that did it for the team, but Kai Saka, Ben White, all these players are back on form and, and long may it continue. We need him at top form because it, it's, you know, the more I think about it, he is kind you know, we talk about Salah being the best right wing and rightly so. But Kai Saka's not far off in terms of he's he's integral to the team and when he, you know, when he plays, something happens. So, you know, again, long may it continue with Bukai. I, I hope that, you know, we've got a number of games where he's going to have opportunities. You know, Sheffield United, I expect him to get another few goals. How many is he on at the moment since the start of the year? About so, eight so or so, he's, on, he, he's on 29 goal and assists this season, and it's like February. I mean, he's, he's insane. And to, and to your point about the interview with Vengs, uh, Papa Vengs, uh, it's on the Latte Firm Twitter feed, so go and check it out. Two minutes of Arsene Wenger basically complimenting and Bukayo Saka sort of watching the video. And I'm pretty sure Bukayo Saka just, just touches his eye. I'm, sh I'm pretty sure there's a little tear because he knows when the big man praises you, you know that. Um, <laughs> just a couple of things in the chat that have caught my my attention. First up, uh, Kimo is in the chat and he says, what a game. What a humbling 
uh, performance. Perfect to round off the weekend with a late night latte. And there's lots of comment about his chat, his content. AFC Max saying, Kimo, love your content. If you if you don't know, Kimo is a great video uh, compilation sort of maker, editor, producer. Check out his Twitter feed. Some really good stuff on there. Uh, there was someone having a dig at Wally, and I've managed to kind of misplace it. But Wally, why did you order a kid's meal? Uh, there it is from 433. Why did you buy a kid's meal? Get a 10-piece. I, right. no, I will say, I have eaten wings with Wally, and Wally can go. He just, I don't know why, two-piece just seems not like him. I mean, he, I, maybe, maybe this is dessert. Maybe this is dessert for him. And that, talking of yeah. wings, I mean, I, I, I listen, if anyone, if the day you lot get to, you don't know you're alive until you see Yembele inhale wings, let me tell you. I've seen this man do 16, 20, 24 at a time. He's a machine. Uh, Colleen, live streaming from FK's driveway as she blocks me in for that trip to Old Trafford. Uh, I'm sure that would be very popular around the world. Um, Wayne, we got the third, and feel free to, to sort of contribute to the Bukayo Saka sort of love in. But just a few minutes later, I think the unsung hero of the moment, Jakub Kivior, uh, netted from a, yet another set piece, which is pretty insane for Arsenal. 27 set pieces this season, goals, that is. Uh, nine of those being penalties. So, um, you know, we've we've uh, we've managed to notch up the most in the league again. Nico Jova and his team deserving a lot of credit. But, but let's talk about Jakub. Because a lot of people are beginning to kind of see what he brings. This is a left-sided centre-back who joined January last. Didn't get much game time in his first season. Came into the team, tried inverting, remember, you know, famously at Craven Cottage, and it didn't quite work. Sorry, there's a gas there from the old tango punch. Um, and in a more orthodox left-back position, he's looking really good. I think his performances since that Fulham game have just been exceptional because he just brings an element of balance that we've not had for for ages in this team even when we were at our best with Zinchenko there was always some little element of liability defensively like we know what Zinchenko can do on the ball we know what he can do going forward we know what he can do sort of possession wise but defensively it took Gabriel to basically do the job of, of two players in order for us to not get caught out every single time if we weren't on top or if we were caught on the counter. But with Kivio, ever since the instruction has just basically been to play simple, do play the passes that you see, do the things that you're you're good at, because he's, he's not a bad passer at all. He has pinged a couple of passes down the line, sort of into the channel for Martinelli, outside the right back. And it's like, I love seeing that from him. But the big thing for me is defensively, he, like you said, is a centre-back normally by trade. He can play at left-back and he's doing a very, very good job there. But he's so comfortable defensively. 1v1, he's good in the air. He's good up against a quick winger. Even if the winger gets the better of him, he's still there, sort of snapping away and he's not going to let you just kind of run off with it and, and not get back on the play. And I think that his development, the past, what's it, six weeks or so, has just been amazing. And I think it's come at a time where you need unsung heroes. You need players to really step up and stand out. And I think long-term, everyone appreciates Timber's probably the option for that left that left back. If we continue playing like this, I think Timber's probably the long-term option. Zinchenko is quality on the ball, but you know defensively he's not going to be all there and we can get caught out. So he's probably a guy for certain situations. Like Zinchenko would be perfect when we play against Sheffield United. He would be the perfect guy there. Tommy Asu is probably an upgraded version of Kivior, but he's never available. Kivior, you know he's going to come in. He's going to work hard. He's probably going to give you at least a 7 out of 10, if not more. 
and he's going to allow the better players to flourish because he's just going to be your 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 base. He's going to be part of your base with Gabriel and Saliba and Ben White. And I don't think it's a I don't think it's a surprise that we're so good and so com- competent defensively when Kivior and Ben White are our fullbacks. It's a bit like how Manchester City were last season when they played four centre-backs across the back line and just allowed everyone else to kind of play their football. We're so solid with Kivior there that it's difficult to make an argument that even when Tomiyasu's fit, when Zinchenko's fit, I, it's difficult to have the argument that Kivior doesn't keep his place. He's been that good. He really has. And listen, um, Jakob Kivior, you know, he costs us a lot of money. You know, let's there's, there's not... There's not... Um, pretend that he's just some sort of unknown gem. I think it was in the region of sort of 25 million euros from Italian football. And he was player of the season at AF, it was at AFC Spezia, I want to say. That's the name of his club. Um, and look, he's come in, he's playing out of position and he's playing in a, in a, in a position where he finds himself because Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, Timber are all missing at the moment. And yeah, I guess something that you know, Kivior brings also allows Ben White to change his game. You know, we know that Ben White loves to buccaneer up down that up that right hand side. Normally overlaps Saka, but we've seen Ben now inverting and joining that midfield, potentially in the absence of Sinchenko. Um, I mean, I love what I'm seeing from Ben as well. I mean, like he went to Dubai, he's come back, he's fit, he's fresh, he's doesn't look like he's carrying anything, he's not nursing anything anymore. He looks free. What do you make of uh, Benny White? I think Ben White's always had that in his armory. I think it has been refined recently. I think the thing is, is he played midfield a couple of times for Leeds, I believe it was. And he's, you know, again, I think Arteta's worked on him with on it with him, his positional sense, because he wasn't always inverting, especially yesterday. He was, it was kind of a mix. But Ben White, you know, again, he's he's a supremely comfortable footballer, I've always found. And when he's fit, again, let's re, let's just, articulate this Ben White when he's not fit you can tell that he's got issues when he's fit and raring to go he's his pace levels just go up a different level and I think it helps you know again to Wayne's point when it's a balanced team it makes it so much easier to have a little bit of these experiments and these movements you know because Kivior is a natural centre-back as, as as we all know so he can you know fall back into that into that you know back three almost but the thing is, as well, and let's not say, let's not understate this. Declan Rice, as a, also falls back into this, into the, into the defence, and he adds another layer. He's his interceptions, etc., were quality. And I'm going to call out Declan Rice again. He's another assist for him. It's it, it's amazing. I mean, how many assists has he got now? I think it's four or so. It, it, you know, it's creeping up. He, he, you know, all these elements combined, I think, is what leads it to be a very stable side. And I think Kivior you know, again, it's flourishing in just being a bit, keeping it simple, as you said, Faisal. It's not anything, it's not rocket science. Play the game simple, defend well, stop stop the, you know, stop the attack before it can happen. I think that's, it, it's all, it's it's simple, but it's working really, really well at the moment. And I think, you know, you can't under, underestimate what Kivio's contribution has been to that. He doesn't do anything flashy. He's not anything, he's not going to, you know, you know, do anything, to, you know, where you go, wow, it's amazing. But as Wayne said, he gives you seven out of tens, and that's all you can ask for in a defender. That's all I really care about, that we're not leaking goals from his side. Because, as you said, Zinchenko is good on the ball, but the stats don't lie. Most of the goals we've conceded have come from his side, and it's kind of the price you pay when you have Zinchenko on the side. So it'll be interesting when he comes back what Arteta does with him. 
It will be. But listen, I like what I see from Jakub. And it's, I don't want people, you know, those people that are tuning in for the first time, you might be thinking, well, it's just because he scored that he's getting the attention. And I know defenders, you know, that happens in the, in the world of defenders, you know, when they score a goal, that's when people talk about them. But we've been talking about him on this channel for some time about the security, the reliability, the, you know, the, the state of calmness. When, when any attack is going down our right hand, our left hand side or down the opposition's right, I actually feel really relaxed knowing that Kivior is there. And the fact that he's six foot plus, he offers a threat, evidently, from set pieces, which which Nico Jova will be loving. So really appreciate his performance. Uh, but before we talk about the goal that we conceded, Tyrone's in the chat. Hey, Tyrone Sweeney says, FK, what happened to the post-match calling show? Uh, again, if you if if you guys are unfamiliar with that, we do a post-match phone-in on X on match days. But the game in the UK was at 8 p.m. kickoff. There were travel delays on the way back. And by the time I got home, it was way too late to do something. Today, of course, uh, we had lots of family stuff, but also everyone would have been uh, um, distracted by the cup final, which we'll talk about right at the end. What I propose, given that the day, given hopefully the boys are going back to Dubai, they've got nine days, eight days, whatever it is until our next fixture. Maybe we'll do a post-match phone in Wayne if you're up for it at some point in the week, maybe tomorrow. We'll just talk about the weekend, talk about Newcastle um, if we if we have time. So Tyrone, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. We did concede a goal before we talk about a couple of other things and look at the league table and all that sort of jazz. Um it feels like, Wayne, teams get like one or two shots on target against us and they seem to score, which is really infuriating. I mean, I'm, there was me looking at the clock thinking more than anything, as much as I wanted five and six and maybe seven, I wanted a damn clean sheet. I wanted David Ryer and the boys to celebrate because, you know, if you've, if you've played football before and you, you, know, you are in the defensive side of the team, that's what you love. And we just couldn't hang on. Um, what did you make of the goal? It's annoying. It's really annoying. But I have to say, it's one of the very good goals that we've conceded this season. Like normally, you sit there and you think there's things that we probably could have done a little bit better. And you're annoyed that Arsenal, like we've said a few times on not only this show, but the calling shows as well, that we've chucked the ball in the back of our net ourselves and we've kind of thrown it away. But I think it's, I think it's a really good goal. And I think, do you know what? Maybe I, think like, maybe I feel like that because it's Joe Willock. I don't really see it as 4-1. I think we won 5-0 last night because Joe Willock is one of our own. And it just kind of, <laughs> it, it kind of feels a little bit better because it's him that scored. If it was like Bruno, for example, I'd probably be livid. But no, I want the clean sheet, obviously. And I think the way that David Rye has been playing, it would have been nice if he got it. You, you do get a bit concerned when you see some of the statistics that say, if ever there's a cup more than two shots on target or something like that, David Raya will always concede at least one. And he's not really saving some of the shots that some fans might want him to. But I can't blame him for this one at all. It's a fantastic cross. It's a fantastic header. And it just kind of, it goes in the perfect position where Raya can do nothing about it. But yeah, it's frustrating. But because it's Joe Willock, I, do you know what? I don't mind it too too much. And I, I think the only thing that probably would have made it all all the sweeter and we'll probably touch on it just before the end talking about the game Emil Smith-Rowe had a couple of good chances yeah. and I think the Emirates the Emirates was trying to will the ball into the net and the Dan, Dan, Burn. Dan, Burn, Dan Burn Dan Burn he came on he did he all he done was get an assist to ruin our clean sheet and clear it off the line to ruin our night with Emil Smith-Rowe and it, it, he's like the epitome of the opposite of everything that Arsenal is. He's like a big brute left back that can't really play football very well, like like a Zinchenko or a Tommy Asu or a Ben White or something like that. And he just 
just comes and annoys us. He's like he's like how um, Yem said a little bit earlier. He's like a typical Stoke player who used to frustrate us all the time. And yeah, he he's hated now amongst Arsenal fans because he stopped that that Emil Smith Road goal. I will say, Dan, I will Dan say, Burns a better player than that. But yeah, go I on, will yeah. say, I love the memes that have come out of you know, like the whole Dan Burn, you know, like Homer Simpson screaming at the top of his voice, you know, that kind of thing. It's classic how Twitter well, just. The, the reason why I'm annoyed, yeah, and Wayne is, I mean, look, Zaid Ibrahim has just said Newcastle scored from a 0.20 XG. It was a good goal. It was a good goal. It was a great finish. Appreciate Joey Willicks coming back to Arsenal. He's scoring, you know, in, on his old stomping ground. And, you know, he's one of our own, as official says. I appreciate all of that. But there was a period where Newcastle were running, 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 running. The ball then obviously gets crossed, uh, you know, crossed across and, and Willick heads in beautifully and off the post. I get all of that. But Arsenal need to get street smart. We cannot let players just waltz through our half, our team. Like Just kick a player down, get the uh, ball out, take a booking late in the game. It doesn't matter. Yeah? I think we've just got to put a bit of context on this. We've, we've made a load of substitutions. We've taken off key players. We've ruined the structure was slightly different. It's inevitably going to lead to some, you know, some gaps in the defence. The fact is, and we all know this, our second string is nowhere near the level that we wanted to be for the, you know, against the first level, which Mikel would like. And the fact is, is that it, we had the opportunity to rotate the players out, which, what do you take? Do you take the goal and a, a hit, small hit to our goal difference? Or do you take that we've rested Saka, Havertz, et cetera, et cetera, and we've managed to, you know, obviously we've conceded a goal, never nice, but we've given minutes to Smith-Rowe and Reese nelson et cetera. It, it's all good. To me, yeah, don't like conceding a goal, but, the upsides are we've given minutes. We're trying to build, you know, squad fitness. And, uh, you know, as as Wayne said, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe looked a lot, looked actually really good when he came on. And that's what you want, that you want to see him build fitness. And unfortunately, when you do disrupt the team, it's natural, you know, that you get gaps. And Newcastle, to, to their credit, did suddenly spark into life in terms of just briefly. And the goal, I think, as as Wayne said, one of those ones you just can't save, I don't think. I don't think Raya could have done anything about it. It was just over his head. and Yeah, look, I, again, yeah, not not knocking the finish. And, and we are nitpicking, of course. We, you know, we've just beaten Newcastle 4-1. We scored something like 25 goals in six games in this calendar year. We are absolutely nitpicking. 4-3-3 uh, says, couldn't agree more. Uh, Paz of the Cat says, great point, Yem. But Jay uh, Panchal is saying, look, said it against Porto. We can be naive at times. Uh, Afsar saying, I want our players to dive all over the pitch, dark arts. Um, and uh, look, it's going to be a, it's going to be a mix. Uh, Kemper says, I agree with Kay. By the time, by that time, Georgie's legs were gone, but Reese allowed Byrne to run off. Emil should be tracking Joe. Now let's give the, the one, boys the benefit of the doubt. Go on, mate. The one thing as well, FK, to your point, and I don't know whether you noticed it in the stadium, from my seat, I've got a decent angle of where Mikel Arteta is. Mm-hmm. And there were a few moments, uh, and I, I think Emil Smith-Rowe had a very solid performance when he came off the bench. There were a few moments where Nelson and Ketia and Smith-Rowe had the ball sort of on our right-hand side, and we either ended up just clearing it and giving it back to Newcastle. And this was around about the time that the goal was building up to happen for Winnick or, or just had happened and, and they were doing their thing. And Mikel Arteta was livid. We're 4-0 up, and obviously the perfectionist that he is, he wants everything to go our way and he obviously wanted them to come on and play like it was still nil nil for example i guess and 
there were a few moments that you could see that he was gesturing and he was visibly angry when Reese Nelson misplaced the pass or or didn't choose the correct option where he went sort of long towards Enketia where there was a smarter ball maybe into the middle that could open up the play a little bit. So I'm sure that Mikel Arteta would have picked out those moments as well that frustrated you. Yeah, look, listen, nitpicking at its finest. Uh, let's move on. I've brought on the next slide, which is the Arsenal number one. This has uh, been triggered by a question from Des Moran, who says, can we put the Raya Ramsdale goalkeeping to debate to bed now? As it's obvious that Raya is a better fit within the team structure. I'm going to go first. Thanks for the question, Des. I'm going to go first. And I, the reason why I wanted to bring up David Raya is because obviously those of you who have watched for months and months will know that I've talked at length about not being able to see the tangible difference between he and Ramsdale. I think I let my heart uh, influence my way of thinking because I have this sentimental attachment to Ramsdale. And I still think Ramsdale is better in one or two shot-stopping aspects, the way that he spreads and the way he's, he's sort of courage, I guess, at making the saves. But I think David Raya, over the last certainly four or five games this season, uh, this, this calendar year, has really shown why Arteta and the goalkeeping coach and Arsenal as a club wanted him. It was more than just an opportunity to go and nab one of the best keepers in the Premier League on loan and for, you know, three million at first and now 30 million quid. Um, yeah, David Raya, I think, is now clear number one. Obviously, he's clear number one for Mikel, right? But he is clear number one. I'm thinking this was a genius move. And the reason for it is because he's so safe and clean with his collections at crosses and set pieces but it's his distribution. Not only is he good at releasing the ball quick and accurately, he can also delay and release the ball accurately. And the ball control at his feet, where he sort of, you know, just sort of advances and, you know, tucks into that left centre back position to play alongside Saliba at times, is phenomenal. What a player. I, I think this is why Mikel wanted Ryo so badly. We all were questioning. Why did you do that when you just signed Aaron Ramsdale? But I think the opportunity had come up and I think it was too good to ignore because, not because of his shot stopping, but because of what he brings to the the build-up of our team in terms of his quick thought of how to, you know, attack well, how to kick off the attack. We've noticed that in a couple of games now. And actually yesterday he nearly did start a, a conclusive attack if the referee had got in the way. As you said, Faisal, it's his clean takes, his distribution, his, you know, you know, coming clean to get the ball without any issues, being safe with the ball, you know, in in moments. I think he does have some weaknesses in shot stopping. I think Ramsdale is a little bit better there, but let's not understate. There are points in in the game yesterday where you thought, okay, you know, when when um, who was it? Anthony Gordon curled the ball in, nice and clean, came down to his bottom bottom of his of his goal and grabbed it nice and cleanly and was there. I think he does that really well. I think he, you know, again. Is he one of the best goalkeepers in the world? We know no, but he fits the system well because what he does is he can play the ball, he can play it around the back well. I think the problem with Aaron Ramsdale and a couple of teams you know, played on it last year was when he had the ball, they knew they could press up and it would you know, unsettle the, the passing out the back. It's very different with Raya because Raya actually is very good with his feet and delays the ball. I know some people in the stadium were a little bit worried with some of the plays last night, but I... Watching on the TV, all I could see was it was very calm, very assured in how he moved the ball from between the two centre-backs to Declan Rice, back and forwards. And that's what Mikel wants. And it, it's very clear why he wants him. He wants to make sure he can open up the space and, you know, lure, t lure players in to create that space. 
it's just another piece of the of the puzzle effectively the question is is that when raya is out next season because i think aaron ramsdale will leave is there anyone really that similar who is going to deliver that kind of you know ball playing ability it's 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 one of the you know the squad building questions you're going to have to ask because it's a very unique set of traits that only a few goalkeepers edison allison etc have there's not a lot of goalkeepers who can play really well with the ball at their feet and distribute so well so it'd be interesting to see how they go about that can i just say so much love for all the chat and everybody who's watching we have currently just shy of a thousand people watching across both platforms which is insane if you are on twitter or x please do follow latte firm and if you're watching on youtube if we can get 500 likes on this video that would be insane it's a massive help to the channel it raises its profile and it's good for the youtube algorithm and of course just keep the chat coming very very grateful for all your support wayne the graphic there on screen is courtesy of now underscore arsenal who's phenomenal with his graphics and of course he does it all for for, for, for allows me to use it all on latte firm uh, you can see that david raya in the games against top half teams 13 games against teams that were in the top half at that point conceded 13. The comparisons are not being made necessarily to Edison and Allison, but a different question to you, Wayne. What has he got to do to get to that level, to enter the chat, to be considered as an elite goalkeeper in the Premier League for you? Is it just time? Well, yeah, you have to do it consistently. Um, and it's good that he's been doing it now consistently since the turn of the year. But we have to remember he had some down moments when he first came in. And I'm sure there was a bit of an adjustment period playing with our defence, playing the way that we play football. And now those teething issues seem to have, have disappeared. But I think for you to truly get into that conversation, I, I don't even think Edison's really in that conversation. He's very shaky. Alisson is the one and obviously the standout. But Alisson... What he does for Liverpool is he wins games by himself when he has to. And Liverpool are a very good team. They create a bunch of chances. They've got Mo Salah scoring a bunch of goals. Their guys like Darwin Nunes and their other attackers create a bunch of chaos. But when going gets tough and Liverpool can't keep shots out, Alisson can. And that's the one question over David Raya. Can he win us a game can he draw us a game where our goals just being kind of peppered i guess and david Raya is fantastic at doing the 11th at being the 11th man he's brilliant on the ball his distribution is absolutely phenomenal but we've yet to see him and a lot of that is because defensively we're just so damn good we probably will never see it but on the odd occasion like at, at tottenham last year for example we were controlled we were dominant but Aaron Ramsdale had to keep us in the game. When, even though we were 2-0 up, he had to keep us in the lead. At Anfield last year, at 2-2, Aaron Ramsdale made some spectacular saves. Oh, and I, I don't think that Aaron Ramsdale can do what Raya does on the ball. But can he, when on the odd one or two games where we're under siege, can he keep a clean sheet or keep it down to one and give us an opportunity to nick a late goal or something like that? If you start doing that, and you do that consistently, as long as, as as well as the clean sheets, keeping sort of the crosses out, and you start saving shots that you really shouldn't be saving. A bit like the Tottenham one earlier, if you remember in the season, he kept out one at, at Spurs at the Emirates, and it was a phenomenal save. You do highlights like that, you'll be in the conversation, no doubt, but he's obviously got a long way to go. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think that's fair. I think Alisson is unbelievable. We we're probably looking at an all-timer in terms of goalkeeper for the Premier League. Um, 
Ramsdale, obviously nowhere near that, and, and David Raya the same. I think Raya in time will develop, hopefully, a bit of an aura about him, you know, a bit of a presence. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to grow taller, but like what comes with, the, I guess, in terms of reputation of playing for Arsenal, being so hard to beat, we have the leanest defence in the league. If he were to go on and win trophies, like a couple of people mentioned in the chat, that automatically does wonders to your rep. Um, I think there's a lot to come. Uh, I'm really interested to see how his kind of ceiling develops, I guess. But i got to say, humble pie for me. I mean, what I see in terms of David Raya doing week in, week out now, and of course, I'm privileged to be sat in the North Bank where I can really take in for at least 45 minutes what he does off the ball, on the ball. We're looking at a top, top goalkeeper. Um, Chinrod says, Raya's been great. A consistent 7 out of 10, but he's yet to have a 10 out of 10 game, in my opinion. We shall see. And he has plenty of time to do so. Uh, let's move on to the next area, which is uh, just looking back at the start of the year. And I uh, don't really want to dwell on this too much, but it is a record for Arsenal Football Club to have won six games in the league on the bounce in the new calendar year. We beat Palace. We beat Forest. We beat Liverpool, of course. Went away to West Ham and pumped them. Went away to Burnley and smacked them. And then Saturday night, yesterday, Newcastle came to down and we've absolutely twatted them as well. I mean... Things are going really well for us, Wayne. I don't know when I'm going to like pinch myself and wake up. And it's not even just about the scoreline. Like the performances are just so convincing, so comprehensive. Like we're not letting teams breathe. Christoph Michel, welcome to the chat. Says so many, so few shots are allowed now. There's not actually much for the keeper to do, and that's a reflection of how the team are restricting opponents. The way that we restricted Liverpool that day at the Emirates. The way that we went to West Ham and just you know tore them a new one. Like. Newcastle United, zero XG at halftime yesterday. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just sat here thinking, oh my God, when's it going to end? And O'Malley in the chat says, it's Sheffield United next, Monday Night Football. I mean, that could be double digits. Wayne, talk to me, mate. This makes sense. I hope so. I, do you know what it is? It's not the fact that we're doing it. It's the way that we're doing it, which isn't really a surprise because... Even when we were bad, like at the end of last year, we were still creating chances. We just weren't finishing them. And defensively, I think we've been elite all season. I've said from sort of day one that when we're not throwing the ball in the back of our own net, I think we're the best defensive team in Europe. And I, I stand by it. I don't see many teams that are better than us defensively when we're fully fit. We've got the spine of Saliba, Gabriel and Rice. And everyone is just kind of doing their job defensively. Ben White is an addition to that. You've got Kivior doing what he does. The fact that we're now able to express ourselves in an attacking sense comes from the fact that we're so difficult to, to break down. Teams have no clue really how to do it. And it's such a solid foundation that we've got that I don't expect this to end. And listen, Sheffield United could pull... The surprise of all surprises. It's the Premier League. Anything can happen. But right now, we're developing a sense of inevitability that we're going to games like Sheffield United and we're going to put at least three past you. And then we're going on to Brentford after that and we're going to put at least three past you. And if we can get to the Manchester City game, I think we've got three Premier League games left. Sheffield United away, Brentford at home, and I think it's Chelsea at home. You go into that Manchester City game potentially on the back of nine Premier League wins in a row. For the first time, you can go to the Etihad and instead of being absolutely shivering with fear, you go there somewhat confident and it will always be difficult against them. They're nowhere near sort of the quality of like Sheffield United and stuff. But confidence is such a hell of a drug. And the way that we're playing going forward, it's difficult to see who stops us. 
It is the goalkeeping de debate rumbles on. Uh, Kenny AFC says, I will not be an echo chamber. He can't catch a high ball. He will never be elite. I hope you're on, Kenny. HFN coming and saying, you people are missing the point. Ramsdale caused those shots by his erratic nature under pressure, standing still in his box and ball giveaways under the press. Raya is on a three-match winning streak versus Manchester City. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> that will continue to run. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you're watching on your big screen now. I know you've got a big screen above there. You look like you're in heaven, either from the Aero Hazelnut or you're <laughs> looking up at something. What are you watching? Match of day two starting, you know, you've got to cross all oh, platforms. Day two. Who's, who's, who's playing at the minute? Sheffield United and Thingy? No, it's just started. So it's Wolves and Sheffield United. Yeah, so a bit of scouting for the next game. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, and the dedication is elite. Uh, right, as as Wayne was talking, yeah, I brought up the fixtures. Uh, we have Sheffield United away, of course, next. We should be looking at winning that handsomely. Brentford at home. Um, Ivan Tony or not. They're not quite the same team. And to Wayne's point, we should be looking at winning them. Chelsea today, who were abysmal. And I know that they got a point at the Etihad. And listen, on another day, Erling Haaland would have scored about 12 goals in that game, but they got a point there. So they're capable, but it's a London derby at the, at the Emirates. And then it's the massive one. We have to win three out of three before we go to the Etihad. And when we get to the Etihad, is it about winning or... You know, could we afford to draw, drop points? I mean, I'm just so confused, man. This three-way race, you know what it means to me, ladies and gents, boys and girls? It's so fun to be a part of it right now, right? We're going to look at the league table in second, but Liverpool are going amazing. City are going really well, and they're going to go amazing. We're in it. Two out of those three clubs are going to be so heartbroken in about 12 weeks' time. I just, um, I mean, I suppose you've got to buy a ticket to be able to win the lottery, right? But it's just... I'm, I'm fearing the worst, guys. So, yeah, is it three out of three before we get to the Etihad? Has to be. Doesn't matter. Like I said in the in the last latte film that we talked about, you have to win every game. If you're not looking to win every game, then it's why are you in this title race? Chef United, we have to win. No doubt. Just blow them away. Nine days rest, you've got no excuses. Get them to Dubai. Get them a nice little bit of tan. Get Ben White rested again. We go again. Arsenal-Brentford, as you said, Brentford are not the same team. Ivan Tony is a good striker, but we should have more than enough for Brentford. And you should. the other thing to add to caveat all of this, we should be getting some players back. If we get breakdowns again, then you know that players like Tommy Asu, Partey, etc., it's 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 all over them with respect. It, it, you can't have this level of unavailability from players. Arsenal-Chelsea, from, and I think we can all acknowledge, from what I saw from Chelsea today, it's, I don't know what they are. It is honestly awful. You cannot be have that level of spend in that team and get beaten by the youngsters of Liverpool. And it was at the end. So we should be winning that game convincingly again because I think Chelsea are awful. Defensively, it's so all over the shop. I, I, I was chatting to you guys on the WhatsApp, and I don't know if you saw it, but they were just all over the shop. It was like, They were so scared of Liverpool each attack. So again, if we're if we're... If we've got our first team available, I don't see any issues. And then when we go to Man City, why are we scared? Again, you come in good form, there should be nothing to fear. It is it is what is big games draw, you know, are for the biggest players. And we've got such a good team at the moment. I, I it's it's different from last year where we were, we had Saliba out, etc. Maybe come the Man City game when, when our injuries are more clearer, etc. It might be different, it might be better. We don't know. You know, we could have a party, a fit party, and then you'll be like, well. 
that's a different story. It adds something to it. It's, you know, again, I'm looking at all of these fixtures and I'm thinking these are still winnable. Even the Man City one, I'm looking at it and saying, Man City are not the same. I have no, I'm being serious because what they I, are I know team. you are. I know you're being serious. <laughs> because they are top, no, they are a top team. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. But for the first time in a number of, you know, for a number of games, we are one of the form teams. It's not due to one player or one, you know, one piece of magic from a player, etc. We are structured. We're defensively solid. We're attacking well. There are no excuses. I think we can go into that game. Remember, they're also coming off Chelsea. It'll be Man City. I think Liverpool play Man City before them, before us. So it could have all swung a, swung around by then. The reason I'm optimistic is because the team have made it that way. They're playing really well, solid defensively, attacking really well. We've also got the Porto game in between as well. I will say, after Chelsea is the Porto game. So that's one little thing to throw into that. And we're going to have to rotate carefully through that because... We want to win against Porto, but we've got to obviously look at Man City and plan for that. Yeah, I, I think I prefer you as misery guts, to be honest, Yembele. Uh But <laughs> Wayne, is an interesting curveball. A couple of people in the chat suggesting that if obviously Chelsea win their cup game against Leeds, the game that we have in the league will be postponed until towards the end of the season. Now, that would mean, in terms of league games, we will have no league game from the 9th of March until the 31st of March. So that is a good three-week period with just the Porto game. Yeah, Is that something do you think Arteta would welcome, or do you think that's a bit of a risk that players, they don't have that competitive sort of edge, they can maybe just focus on training and and become a little bit, you know, unmatched sharp if they match on also i don't even know what i'm describing here but like do, do you understand what i'm saying like is there a risk that we just get we just you know we're not at that competitive edge in time for city because i'm sure city have got games in that three weeks if you need to be at a competitive edge for city like you should be up there anyway i think the the reason the reason why i don't think Mikel arteta is going to be amused with it is because it's an international break so there's a gap. Ah, okay. if, even if we do play Chelsea, that. there's yeah, there's an international break. International break in days. March. It's so stupid. It's so bloody annoying. So I think my biggest thing is hopefully the Chelsea game happens, and then we tell every international player or every international team with one of our players in it that they're all injured, and then you all just stay home. We can go to Dubai again, all expensive paid on latte firm if they wanted, if they wanted to. <laughs> And just keep them need away a few more super the... chats than what we're getting at the moment, mate. <laughs> just keep them away from international football because that's where the injuries happen, and that's where like the problems start coming up. So, I think, I think we're all Leeds fans in midweek because I don't want that Chelsea game really to be postponed. Is the internationals friendlies or are these actual meaningful I, games? I don't know. I don't care. If they're friendly. <laughs> no, if they're friend, no. If they're friendlies, then there should be no excuses. We should be saying well, sacks. The, re- the, the reason why they're here is because obviously we've got the Euros, right? So I think all the international managers are going to be wanting to just keep in touch and use it as a touch point with their with their country sort of players to to kind of, you know, um, just reassess things and in three months time we go for the year. I mean it's, I can't believe the Euros is just around the corner Nations League Xander says he thinks um, yeah, maybe that maybe, maybe that's what's coming up 
Um, right, we are going to end the Arsenal chat there. We'll look at the league table in just a moment. We're on to the home straight. But before I do that, chaps, the League Cup final was played today. And uh, obviously Liverpool winning right at the death in extra time, which was kind of ideal because um, I wanted Liverpool to play as much football as possible. You know, and I was hoping for maybe a few fatigued players in the coming days, let's say, to put it politely. What did you make of the final, Wayne? Did you watch the game? And, you know, what are your immediate thoughts? Yeah, I watched the game. I thought it was a pretty good game in the first sort of 90 minutes. Chelsea bottled, potch bottled it. And he just has that bottle DNA that he spread through his players. Because they were fine in the first 90 minutes. They probably should have won the game with Klopp making so many changes late on, bringing on the kids. Um, Chelsea had the better chances, I think, in the 90 minutes. There was a weird offside goal disallowed. I personally am a fan of it. I think it was the right decision. And I think that players should be punished for screening like that if it's a, a direct impact on the ball. If Endo's screening someone at the near post and the ball is nowhere near him, it's fair play. Like He's not offside, but... I, I'm glad that they ruled that out because it would have been easy to give it. I think it was the harder decision to get the right one and disallow it. I'm glad that it went all the way through to to 120 minutes. But the the standout thing for me, and it always comes back to this, is just look at the scenes at full time, what it meant to Klopp, what it meant to Van Dyke, what it meant to the Liverpool fan base. And this is a fan base who have seen their team win everything. I remember when Arsenal got knocked out against West Ham and the Arsenal fan base were happy about it, that we were going to get fitness before uh, we were going to be rested before going to Anfield. It's going to mean this, that and the other. You never forget days like today if you're a Liverpool fan. And they they wouldn't change the injuries. They wouldn't change the fatigue. They wouldn't change the compact schedule for the feeling that they've got right now. And I know that Carabao Cup doesn't as mean as much as the Champions League. It doesn't mean as much as the Premier League. But a trophy is a trophy. And this group of players, this crop of players, absolutely deserves one. So hopefully next year we take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah, I know we've we've talked about this before so many times. I mean, I, I, I want Arsenal to have this relentless assault on every bit of silverware every season, right? But I, I, I understand our priorities this season. Last season, Arteta was building his squad. I know Pep used the League Cup and won it so many years in a row and and obviously considers it as a, as a major honour, which it is. Um, I just think we have bigger fish to fry in this temporary state that we are in. Um, lots of people saying, Xander in particular, so many Arsenal fans willing a Chelsea win made me feel sick. I think it's just because nobody wants to see the Jurgen Klopp loving and they've only got a few more weeks of him. So I just can't wait to see the back of him, if I'm being honest. Yembele, um, whose tears are sweeter? The Chelsea tears or the Newcastle tears? Oh, that's a hard question. I mean, <laughs> both have got. I, you know, I'll I'll just take a river right now. I have a nice river, you know, nice double glass full of it, and drink both of them because it, it's got each of them have got their own, you know, little nuances. I mean, seeing Mudrick come on, come on, look terrible as usual. Then going up the stairs, did you see the video of, it, of the of fan Enzo? Going, that Enzo, was brilliant. You know. Do you know what? All the, there are certain com comedic football players. Bruno Fernandes, I think we all can acknowledge this week is the 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 numpty of the weekend because obviously gets you know trying to be the the Man United captain, falling over, looking like he's injured like for ten minutes, and then gets up all of a sudden when there's a chance going. I mean, it's there's comedic players and Enzo, you know, 
Mudrik, Caicedo. If you think back, we were going to drop almost 200 million on Caicedo wow. and Mudrik combined. What a bullet we dodged, honestly. Because I, I will say, to, in response to that, Caicedo was a fine player at Brighton, and I'm absolutely adamant that he would have been different under Arteta. I'm sure of it. Likewise with Bissouma, likewise with Mudrik, I think... I'm glad we didn't spend 100 million quid, but I think under Arteta, who's who's got previous for working with wide players in a functional team, I think Madrid would have been a very, very different player. But I am enjoying seeing their demise, for sure. I know, and I am. But the thing is, is that Chelsea just looks, from the top to the bottom for me, and I don't know about you guys, it just looks like a, a, a very amateurish operation now. Whereas before, they were rigid, you know, very structured, and a well-oiled machine, you know, with um, the Bruce Buck and uh, I can't remember, uh, Greta Skyver, I think it was. They were very well-oiled and they were winning things and they were very, you know, very um, methodical in how they approached their transfers. Now it just seems like it's so let's just get the headless chicken out and let it choose who we're going to buy now. So I think it was well-deserved. Do you know what? Liverpool deserved it today. I think they had more hunger. I mean, again, Liverpool are on, running on fumes. A lot of players out, and now Gravenberch is out, so that's another one to add to the list. And Klopp risked it; he went with the youth players who, you know, fair play. They they grinded it out, got got the goal they deserved. Because I don't think Chelsea really did enough for me. I, I I didn't see a standout performance for me in Chelsea. I thought Cole Palmer was pretty average. Casado just looks so. It, it you know, he looks like he looks like a thirty million pound player. Not even that. So. Fair play. Well done, Liverpool. I think, again, I'm glad, as Wayne said, they played 120 minutes because it's all good for us. Any lost minutes? I I, I, I know it's cruel on Gravenberch, but more injuries are helpful because obviously it helps us in, in terms of the... No one likes to see a player injured, but it helps us. And then it's, you know, again, it, it was well-deserved. I think it was very well-deserved. I think Chelsea are just a poor team and they, they deserve where they are in the league. It was Do you indeed. know what the... Do you know the best thing about it for me, FK? Anyone that's been alive for probably longer than 20 years, maybe? This is just Chelsea. Yeah. This is what they were. This is what they were. No, 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 no. no. They were so much worse. Trust me. They're still oh, yeah. getting to cup finals. They were horrendous. They were on the brink of disappearing, Wayne. They were so crap. They're, one of their main stands was a car park. Like, they were mm. an abysmal, abysmal team. And I wish right. nothing but the worst fortune for them like in Can the I, just I hope they just go down i hope financial fair play fucks them and i hope they absolutely destroy what is left of that awful awful football club we have to move on ladies and gents because it's time one minute just go one on thing. yeah no no one thing sheffield united watch players are fighting each other it's a beautiful thing because when we come into town they're going to be kicking each other all over the park and it's Feel it already. Oh man, me and Wally are gonna do that trip. Uh, I'm gonna be wrecked for that week. Uh, it's a Monday night kickoff. Why are they sending Arsenal to Sheffield on a Monday they night? Think that we're gonna lose. Oh, it's a potential that we'll lose that one. Please, it's a banana. They're fight each other. They're gonna be yeah. ready for what's coming. Well, banana skin or not, we will be there. We will be there. Right, music time and league time. So, as you can see, courtesy of the Premier League.com. Liverpool are top of the Premier League. They won the League Cup, of course, today, but they beat Luton in midweek. They are top with 26 games played. 
Only two defeats on the board and 60 points with a goal difference of 38. Manchester City, 1-0 winners away on the south coast, are in second on 59. And Arsenal, after our thumping of Newcastle, are in third place on 58. We have the best goal difference in the league, the leanest defence in the league, and it's to Sheffield where we go next. Manchester City, of course, playing the Manchester Derby next Sunday. Hoyland, of course, injured, obviously, in time for that game. And Liverpool away to Forest on Saturday afternoon with a rather, you know, weakened team and squad, I wonder. Uh, Unai Emery's Aston Villa are in fourth place after winning again at the weekend. Spurs are chasing behind. United in sixth. Brighton, Wolves climbing into eighth. And Newcastle dropping into ninth. That is sweet. West Ham taking on Brentford tomorrow in a London-ish derby. David Moyes may be on the brink of going out. Chelsea are top of the bottom. And if you look at the bottom three, Sheffield United is where we go. They are abysmal, Sheffield United. 66 goals they've conceded. A goal difference of minus 44. Surely, surely Arsenal are going to go and get the three points there at the lane. There we are. That's the Premier League table. Go to see you at PremierLeague.com as I phase the music out. Chaps, it's been a wonderful, wonderful show. I know it's late on this Sunday night, and I know you guys are going to go and watch Match of the Day 2, etc., etc. So let us leave it there. Thank you, everybody, for watching from around the world, for tuning in to Little Old Latte Firm, for making time to engage with us on the chat. It is massively appreciated. I really enjoy reading from you all, hearing from you all, and, of course, making this content. If you'd be kind enough to leave us a like before you go, it'd be amazing to get 500 likes on this video tonight. That would be insane really helps the profile of the channel. And of course, if you've tuned in for the first time, please do subscribe. Don't miss content like this. We will be back in the week with potentially a post-match phone-in, a delayed post-match phone-in, Wayne, if you're, if you're agreeable to that. And maybe we'll do a couple of late-night latte chill shows during this long break that we have ahead of us. So many lovely comments coming in now about the show. Really appreciate it. Gares is NYW. I love it. The latte firm jingle is coming. It's coming. Uh, look, if anybody wants to follow Wayne, he's available at Wayne's World 20 underscore. Anybody wants to follow Yembele, he is at Verge 59. Do follow Latte Firm if you're watching on X, and we will leave it there. Until next time, it is bye for now. Bruno, I'm still waiting.